And so in this year's theme of Look Again, we've been asking God to open the eyes of our hearts. We've, we've seen life through the physical eyes we do every day. We've read the reports. We've uh, followed the social media feeds. We have uh, seen the financial statements. We have seen another day with our physical eyes. But as Paul prays, open the eyes of their hearts. So we realize there's this look again call to the church for God to open the eyes of our hearts again, to see differently, to see like he sees, like imagining a world that he saw for us, stepping into that world that he sees for us. And, and so we've coined the, the kind of series, Life Reimagined. We wanna, we wanna hang in the space. If I could say it like this, I wanna slow it down for you. I wanna slow down what you're reading in the Bible. I wanna slow down what you're thinking about so that we can really chew on and take all that God has for us from this series called Seven. And so a little bit of a recap before we get going. Last week, I spoke about looking again at the seven pillars of society. We spoke, Proverbs 9 says, wisdom builds her house with seven pillars. She establishes it. There was this picture of a temple roof being established as the pillars go up and people having access to the feast of heaven. If you, if you missed last week, please go and listen to it. I really think it's such a practical picture of what God wants to do through our lives as a church this year. Team, if we can put it up, we spoke about the, the seven pillars and how each pillar serves the other how each pillar has a role to play in serving the other pillar. And so whether we're in church or whether we're in business, whether we're in education, whether we're in social justice, whether we are families, raising families, is it up yet? Not yet, looking for it? But that there would be the sense of, I'm building something that we're all benefiting from. I'm not just building it for me, I'm building it so that we can all have a greater picture and perspective of life. And so these are the pillars we spoke about. We spoke about faith, media and entertainment, social justice, education, family, business, health and wellness. And we said that when those things are growing and strong and established, there is this access for people to enjoy life or in our analogy, to feast from the table. Thank you, team. You can take it down. And so there was this idea that I'm not just building something that no one sees. I'm building what I, what, what's in front of me, my calling, and it's having an impact on things around me. So as I build business, it's, it's helping education. As I build education, it's helping the future of family. As I build, and so it goes on. We had this picture that we're in it together. Tap your name and say, we're in it together. Two people are excited about that. I'm gonna work with you today. It's okay. I wanna take this idea a step further today. I hope you got your Bibles. If you don't, um, I just wanna say like, please bring your Bibles to church. It's gonna come up on the screen, but I, I want you to get used to holding God's Word in your hands this year. I really do. You see, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Not by hearing my thoughts, not by me standing up and telling you it's gonna be awesome, not by our worship team singing songs. It comes by you hearing what God is saying through His Word. And so whether you've just come to church or you've been coming for 40 years, I wanna tell you with confidence, God has something new for you. He has a fresh word, He has fresh food, He is gonna shape and frame your season with fresh faith. And when faith comes upon His church, destiny is near because faith is the delivery system of heaven. And so I wanna encourage you to get that word in your hands and to not just take what I say, but to go home and read it again and again and again. I've titled my message today, if you're taking down notes, A Glorious Restoration. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11, A Glorious Restoration. What I wanna try and do in this series, and as a team we're gonna do our best, is we wanna take the frame of look again, the seven pillars of society that we're building, and we wanna give it a 
a framework, a filter, if you like, to do it in the best way possible, in God's way, if you like. And so I wanna take you from Isaiah 11, or so from Proverbs 9 to Isaiah 11. Wisdom builds a house with seven pillars. Many would say Isaiah 11 is what we're speaking about. So let's read it together. Chapter 11, verse one. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. A shoot from the stump. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge, here's our verse, I wanna show you it again, by what he sees, what's it say next? With his eyes. Look again. Or decide by what he hears with his ears. I would like to give you some context so we can all go on a journey together. Isaiah is a book of prophecy. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet and was prophesying the coming of Christ, was helping a Israeli people or an Israelite people, God's people, helping them see that what they were in was not the end. Helping them see that the story was still getting started. Helping them see that everything God had promised as we sang that song, as the seas were parted to Moses, as David was promised as king, as that there would be a seed from David that ruled and reigned and set us free, that everything that was promised and spoken is still coming to be, don't lose hope. Isaiah is a book of hope. Some would say that if you don't read the story of Isaiah, you'll struggle to see the hope we have in Christ. And so Isaiah is prophesying this hope of this name Jesus that is gonna come and change things. And what he does is when he prophesies is he uses this language. He uses the language of stump and shoot and then branches. Now you and I understand that language, it's not uncommon, but let me, let me give you a bit of an analogy for what he's trying to say. A stump is not a trunk. It's part of, but it's different. If he had said from this trunk will come a shoot and from the shoot many branches, well that's common language of how trees grow. And so we get that. There's a picture of a tree in the story that Isaiah is prophesying when Jesus comes. But he said stump, which is to suggest it's being cut down. A stump is what you have left when the tree is being cut down. So Isaiah is speaking very practically, work with me church, to a broken and lifeless people and telling them that although it feels broken and lifeless, stump-like, a shoot will come and from that shoot come branches. Isaiah is helping the people of God see that although it feels like there's nothing left, there's still so much to come. Can I get an Amen. If you're online and you're excited to hear that the best is yet to come, just give me some praise hands online and let me know God is speaking to wherever you're at. Shout out to our online family. And so he's prophesying from a stump. Now in Israel's story, people had been scattered, they'd been broken down, they'd lost much of the ground that God had given them. And so all that was left is what the Bible talks of as a remnant. A group of people staying close, hanging on to the promises of God. And to that remnant, which looks like a stump, like nothingness, Isaiah says, a shoot's gonna come, make no mistake, and much fruit will come from it in the branches. And so if you wanna put that into today's society and culture, what God is saying is he's saying, from seemingly lifelessness, a shoot will come. Like, I'm so grateful for a church that sticks around in hard times. Just gotta say it. I'm so grateful that during lockdown, we kept showing up. 
so grateful that week in and week out, people kick down the doors of church. Oh, that's my language for you got excited to come. To be in church, to hear God's Word, because let me tell you, friends, sometimes it can feel like your Sunday is a stump. Sometimes it can feel like your financial statements are a stump. It can feel like your family, or let's go to the seven pillar language. It can feel like your business or your family. It can feel like the education. It can feel like any. It's just very stump-like. And I'm so grateful that we keep showing up because guess what? Shoots come from stumps when the Spirit of God comes on them. And so Isaiah is prophesying that a shoot will come. And then he says, and from its branches, they will bear much fruit. Isaiah 11, just down the road, in verse 10, says this. And in that day, the roots of Jesse, now he's calling it the root, which is to say God is the author and the perfecter. He's the beginning and the end. And just because it got cut down doesn't mean what he started won't be completed. From the root of Jesse will stand a banner. He's talking about Jesus. For all people, the nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. This is reference to John 12, I believe, when Jesus said, and on that day that they lift me up, the cross, I will draw all unto me. The banner that Isaiah is prophesying is the story of Jesus doing what we could never do, drawing unto himself what we could never handle, which is our sin, our shame, our condemnation, so that you and I could be set free. Isaiah is prophesying a very beautiful future. But let's go back to what he says as he prophesies, stick with me, we're gonna go on a great journey. He says, there will be this shoot that comes from the stump and from his roots, a branch will bear much fruit. Who's the branch? You and I. Jesus said it like this, I'm the vine, you are the. Isaiah is seeing this way ahead of time. What looks like a stump will start with the shoot the shoot will carry supernatural grace to do things that it shouldn't do in its own strength and power. And the shoot will produce branches. Tap your neighbor and say, he's talking about us. And the branches, Isaiah say, says, will produce much fruit. I'm excited about fruits. Here's what I want you to get today, church. What rested on Jesus, listen to me, now lives in us. You see, Isaiah goes on to prophesy seven things. Let's go back to Proverbs 9. We're gonna do some good Bible teaching this year. I hope you're ready. Proverbs 9, wisdom builds her house with seven pillars. Isaiah 11, seven expressions of the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus. Who builds the house ultimately? Jesus. How does he do it? With the seven expressions of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? When Jesus leaves, he leaves us a gift. He says, a helper who will help you do things even greater than I. What was on him is now in us. The story continues. And so what is in us is calling us to build seven pillars of society. But we don't just build the practical pillars, we build them in Spirit, seven expressions of the Holy Spirit listed here in Proverbs, or so should I say Isaiah 11. I'll read them to you again. Number one, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. I want you to see how it uses lowercase letters for the word him here. Because Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus, a human, Jesus born in flesh. And what will set him apart is the Spirit that rests. I hope you're getting this. 
So Proverbs 9 and 7 pillars will be established so that the house can be raised up so people can feed. Isaiah 11 is telling us how that's going to happen. Seven expressions of the Spirit are going to come upon the fleshly form of Jesus and give him supernatural ability. And when he does that, he will establish his church and give back to the church the gift of the Spirit of God. The same seven expressions that were on him are going to now rest in us. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, one. The Spirit of wisdom, and wisdom two. And understanding, three. The Spirit of counsel, four. Power, five. Spirit of knowledge, six. And of the fear of the Lord. Seven expressions of the Holy Spirit resting on Jesus in human form to give him supernatural ability to establish his church on the planet. Ephesians 1.23 says it like this. I'm getting really excited. It says the local church as he sees it is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Church is not the afterthought. I do business, I raise family, uh, I, I change social justice upliftments, and then I go to church. No, church is the beginning of that story. I'm in the house, I'm receiving His food, I'm getting filled up in faith, I'm getting the Spirit of God deposited into my, into my life, and then I'm going out and I'm shifting and changing the narrative around me. And so God is telling us that what was on Jesus is now in us. There's a lot of power in what we're reading here. Because if what he's saying is true, you have everything you need under the grace of God, not in human ability, to shift the narrative of the world that you've been called to, to the glory of God, a glorious restoration. And I'm convinced God has called his church to build in such a way that we see a glorious restoration on this planet. Look again. You see, when we carry the seven expressions of the Spirit, as Isaiah said about Jesus, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes because the Spirit dwells within our hearts. I love the language of we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Look again. I was reading a book recently about a guy by the name of Bob Iger. He was the, probably the best CEO, arguably the best CEO that Walt Disney or that Disney company has ever had. And Walt, uh, Bob Iger had an incredible um, kind of legacy to his life, still does, because of what he achieved with Disney. He almost reinvented it and put it back on the forefront. And with his leadership, they took on companies like Pixar and really just, just expanded to a whole new level. If you know the story, if you've read the book, I recommend it, the Bob Iger story. It's just the most amazing thing. But he tells this moment in time that really spoke to me about what God wants to say to us through this series. He said it was his first board meeting. Can you imagine? CEO of Disney, one of the greatest companies to grace this planet. And they'd been through a decade of about, well, a decade of 10 years of some really average performance. And so he steps in, obviously average performance, CEO out, new CEO in, welcome Bob Iger, first board meeting. Can you imagine the nerves? And he steps in and he says, he just does what he knows how to. He explains where they're at. He says, for the last 10 years, we've made very average productions and films. Most people don't even remember the names and won't remember the names. I can't even re reference some of them because they didn't make it into the box office hall of fame. They lost a fortune in those 10 years. And in the middle of it all, he describes and he says, can we just be honest that we've lost our edge? And one guy puts his hand up and says, Bob, could you be specific? Whatever was our edge? He said, thank you for asking. I'll answer it in one word animation. 
And then he said this line that spoke to my spirit. He said, we are Disney. We are animators. When animation goes, so goes Disney. And God started to speak to me. I thought, I wonder what our animation is. It's definitely not the building. Building can go. It's definitely not you or I. We can come and go. It's definitely not what we achieve in our physical strength. It's not about how much money we gave or what we built in our social justice campaigns. It's really not. Those things can come and go and the church will remain. But as the Spirit goes, so goes the church. And I thought what God wants to do in this series is remind us of the fuel and the power that is at the core of the story of the church that was the gift that Jesus left in his resurrected life for us so that we could continue. I wanna keep saying this, so that we could continue the work that he began. When Isaiah prophesied, seven spirits upon him will restore a glorious future to my people. And now they're in you. And we, friends, are being used, can I preach, to restore glorious futures to the planets. Don't hold back on your clap if you feel like excited. I saw a little half clap over there. I'm gonna work with you. Because when the Spirit starts to speak and you wanna say amen, you claim it. Amen. What was on Christ is now in you. And so God wants to help us see in these next seven weeks how these seven expressions of the Spirit are God's offering to us as His church. And as you start to ask Him to fill you again with these seven expressions, I believe He's gonna give you supernatural ability to build and to shape and to frame your world and everyone is gonna be better off for it. So let's talk a little bit about the seven expressions we have here. I'll start with just the first today. You're gonna have to stick around for seven weeks if you wanna hear all of them. We don't have time for them all in one go. There's too much God wants to say. The first one is this, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Wherever you see that word Lord, L-O-R-D, uppercase. Whenever you read that word in the Scriptures, it's the redemptive name of God. Whenever you read the word Lord, it's referencing the God who redeems people. What is redemption? It's to buy back with the price, it's to claim what is rightfully yours, much like you would get a voucher or a coupon code. Shout out to anyone that loves getting that for their birthdays. Anyone like enjoy a good voucher? Redeem at the local Zara, exactly. Never got better. Redeem your voucher, scoop ice cream. Highlights for our family, just being honest. But as you go and redeem your voucher, all you're doing is taking back or enjoying what's already been paid for. You with me? This is redemption. So in the story of God, Jesus pays a price for us. He, he becomes the sacrifice that you and I wouldn't have to sacrifice anything that we couldn't afford to, to receive the freedom that we don't deserve. It's the story of grace. And what the church preaches is a gospel that says, and we preach it passionate here at Link Church, your price has been paid for your sin, your shame, your condemnation. For yesterday to today, Dill, I'm feeling pretty good today. Don't worry, you're gonna make another mistake. And for the rest of your life, the good news is you can't outperform the grace that was paid for at Calvary, but you can receive it. Amen. That's redemption. And so as the church, we're taking hold of for free what has already been paid for for us. 
So Isaiah says, a spirit of redemption will rest on this Jesus. He will model redemption perfectly. And now somehow in God's supernatural ability and grace, he entrusts some of that presence to us to model redemption again. Um, people will often say words in the church culture. If you knew the church, you would have heard this. Let's go on a journey. I still struggle with it sometimes, I'll be honest. They say things like, God said to me, I should. I always wonder how. <laughs> you know? Like if I tune tea whiz, hey, tea whiz, I think you should go and have a coffee after lunch. It's very simple for him to say, Dill said we should go and have a coffee after lunch. And sometimes people reference it like God was having that kind of clarity. I, I'll be honest, I don't always feel it's that clear. Can I just kind of talk straight to my church family for just a moment? Like, I'm your pastor, but I'm not Jesus. And so what can happen is sometimes someone else can make it seem so easy to hear from God that you, you start thinking you, you're getting something wrong. Like, like, did I miss a memo? Like, was there a certain chair in church that had a certain specific audible voice on it? Was there like a little, you know, what do they call it, the footnotes? Of when we came to a meet and greet nights and we joined the church and got all excited. Was there a little footnote that I missed that said that if I achieved seven services in a five-week month, God would speak louder to me? Is there, is there a footnote that said if I gave more than I could that we start to think crazy things like did I miss something? So I'm just gonna ask an honest question. How do you know God's speaking? Because we will all, all hear God speak in different ways. You know, God whispers in my heart. That's the way I describe it. It's not always perfect. It's just a whisper. And then he, he begins to confirm it and clarify it as I go through life, through friends and people and his word and it starts to make more sense. But I, I never assumed that what I heard the first time was perfect. And so I wanna suggest that these seven filters or these seven expressions of the Spirit are actually really helpful filters to understand whether what God is saying to you is of Him. Because how many of you know that the Spirit of God's, pur Spirit of God's purpose is to reveal to us the nature of Jesus, is to show us Jesus in the Bible. And so when you stand in worship, I'll tell you what it may feel like for some of you. You stand in worship, the songs are being sung, and you have this moment where you realize, some would call it an out-of-body experience, some would just call it like an intimate encounter, some would just say something's up, some would say I'm feeling warm and fuzzy, some would just say, I don't know what God's doing, but I can feel His presence in the room. There's so many ways of saying it. When that is taking place, the Spirit of God is going to work, friends, to affirm the words that you're singing in your life. Because that's His job to make the Word of God adequately revealed in our hearts. Because when that happens, faith comes and we don't walk with physical eyes, look again, we walk by faith. And so I wonder if in Isaiah 11, there are seven expressions of the Holy Spirit that help us filter what God is busy saying to us. Let's go back to the first, the redemptive nature of God. When God speaks, Maybe, maybe it should carry redemptive power. In other words, God has spoken to you to relocate. God has spoken to you to start a business. God has spoken to you to have a child, not have a child, be there for somebody else, give some money away, fill in the blank. Is it redemptive? 
I think it's such a beautiful way of saying, God, if it is you speaking, show me the redemptive nature of what you're saying. So when I do build the business that I thought I heard you say I needed to build, I do it with the right frame. I step into it with the God lens, the heart lens, which is that the nature of what I'm about to do, you're a, you're a construction guy, you're a, you're a photographer, you're a, you're a designer, you're a, you're a consultant, you're a coach, you, you could be anything in the world of business, but what is the redemptive thing God is wanting to write through your story? Therein lies its power to build a better society for us all to enjoy the feast of heaven. When you sit around the family table, let me put it into pillar language because we're gonna speak about these seven pillars a lot this year. Isaiah 11 says the Spirit of the Lord will come upon him. The Spirit of redemption rests on Jesus to bring about a glorious restoration on the planet. So the Spirit of God rests on us to bring a glorious restoration in our world. So you're sitting at the dinner table. Like I like the dinner table because there's food, but I've started to realize there's a lot of power around the table. And you're sitting at the dinner table and there's a dad. I grew up in a home uh, that was very proud of our family name and family traditions. And I got amazing parents. And so I'm a Yanach, that's my surname. Don't try and say it now, we'll figure it out later. But I'm a Yanach, you know, and, and, and I come from somewhere north. There's an argument, a debate between my friends, whether I'm German or Scandinavian or a mixture of a whole lot of bunch of stuff. No one can figure it out, but I'm a Yanach, it's who I am. And I'm kind of stoked with it. And, and, and so if you're, if you're a whatever your surname is, sometimes you can feel a sense of pride and this is our family and this is our story. And, and you, can, you, can, you, can, you can see the table as a place to kind of anchor yourself in who we are. And I've, I've, heard, I've heard myself, but I've, I've heard friends often saying this. I'm gonna think of a name, Johnson. Sorry if you're in the room, I'm just using an example. Where they say to their children, Johnsons don't do that. Online, I got someone honest in the house today. We have these moments, friends, where we like, we anchor who we are. Okay, I'm talking family pillar now. But what if the goal wasn't to anchor your family name? It was to release his family name over them. You see, when you walk with the spirit of redemption, it sets the scene of every environment you enter. When we carry what Jesus carried in the spirit of redemption, when I enter the scene of my home, I realize the goal in this home is not to protect my reputation or to get them to behave like me or to frame and shape them. Hopefully they're never anything like me. Hopefully they're so much more awesome. The goal of that home and the dinner table is never my family name. It's His family name. And so I never put guilt on them because that's not redemption. I put grace on them because therein lies redemption. And when I build my business, let me preach over some businesses, whether it's selling a product or selling a service, whether you have 400 employees or you only have two, the goal of that business is not profit for me and legacy for others. The goal of that business is honor to the king. And so the redemptive nature of what I bring is, how does what I do redeem something that's still inside them? couple of things about redemption, you should write these down and I'll begin to close. First thing about redemption is when you carry a spirit of redemption, you walk and rest. I like how Tim Keller said it. He said, um, after creation, God spoke these words, it is finished, and then he rested. After redemption, 
Jesus spoke these words, it is finished, and then we rested. You see, the redemption that Isaiah is prophesying over Jesus produced a rest in Jesus, which is why he could go through excruciatingly painful, unnecessary circumstance in our eyes in a place of rest, because redemption gives us rest. And now that same Spirit, because of His work, rests in us. And so we don't walk into environments having to prove ourselves. We carry rest because He's already approved of us. Let me lay this thought a bit more. Redemption gives, gives us a, we operate from a place of rest. Let's read Isaiah 44, verse 22. I love this picture of redemption. It says, I've swept your offenses away like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist return to me, for I have redeemed you. He's giving rest to his church. Maybe you walked in here today and you feel like you came to church to sort your relationship out with God. I got good news for you. It's already been taken care of. Just come and enjoy him. He sorted out your relationship with him at the cross of Calvary. I'm gonna read this again. He has swept away your offenses or sins like a cloud. Have you ever watched clouds moving over? Come and go your sins like the morning mist return to me. It's like he, he, he leans down to the mist that hovers and just takes it back. For I've redeemed you. And so we operate in a place of rest because of how God redeemed us. Another thing about redemption is when you carry a spirit of redemption to the pillar that God's called you to build, you lead with grace, not with guilt. You lead with grace not with guilt. You lead with an air of, I've been gifted and given something I don't deserve, and so I'm gonna serve the world with it under His grace. Um, I really believe as a church, one of the things we're always trying to do is take guilt off people. It's there already. Yeah, but Dil, if we don't deal with this, they're never gonna deal with their yeah, good news is that they already know what they've done wrong. You and I already know where we've fallen short. That's already taken care of. The church's responsibility is not to highlight where we fall short. It's to showcase where He paid the price in grace. You see, humanity, to go back to the story of Isaiah, oh, this is good preaching, even if I do say so myself, Heath. Humanity in the story of Isaiah cuts down the tree that God is building to remain just a stump. But the Spirit of God, through Jesus now living in us, raises from a stump a shoot that becomes a branch to produce a well of life, which is to say, when you carry redemption, you can look at lifeless stumps and you don't have to curse them, you don't have to remind them what they got wrong, you don't have to show them where they fall short, you just have to declare grace, show them Jesus, and stumps start to shoot, and shoots make branches, and branches become glorious. Friends, newsflash, I was just a stump. Sometimes still feel like I still am but I'm a part of a glorious restoration program taking place in heaven and I'm getting better day by day. Not because I'm improving of what I got wrong, but because I'm leaning into what He did right. Grace comes upon me daily, not guilt. So Dill, I wanna build the seven pillars. Good, so do I. Lead with grace, not with guilt. Lead your teams with grace. Remind them of what they were born for. And you will start to see employees perform out of this world. 
showcase the grace of God that's in their lives. Yeah, I do. You gotta have rules and regulations, no doubt. Build your business, sort your strategy out. But I promise you, you want supernatural grace to come on your company, you gotta start doing it from the inside out. Redemptive spirits. I really believe, church, that in this series, God is gonna reinvest in us these seven expressions of His Spirit. So that when we do go into our places of influence, we're not doing it in our own strength. He's transforming society from the inside out. Amen? Last one, if you carry a spirit of redemption, we live by response, not by requirements. We live by response. I like to say that that's relationship, not by requirements. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 got your Bibles, it's going to come up on the screen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It's in the New Testament. First service, I couldn't find it. Second service, I'm going to redeem myself. It's coming, whether you like it or not. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Listen to this. Christ redeemed us, and He's very specific in His next words, from the curse of the law. What does the law do to us? Puts guilt in us. What does Christ redeem us from? guilt. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I can't wait to sing that song just now, bro. Oh. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. When you carry a spirit of redemption, friends, you live your life from a place of response, not of requirement. And the law, we live according to what we think He requires of us. And the grace we live in response to how He feels about us. And that same Spirit that liberates us to know that He requires nothing more from us but to receive what He freely gives. Church, today I want to ask, please just receive. Just receive. Redemption, the price has been paid. You have a coupon that's more valuable than anyone in this room could help make sense of. I'm telling you right now, there is a coupon and a voucher of your life that needs to be redeemed in heaven because God has already paid a price for you. Past, present, and future. And when you realize what He's done for you, when you realize the price that's been paid, you start to walk. That same Spirit that rested on Him now lives in me. And I carry a redemptive Spirit into rooms. And I redeem people. And I redeem moments. And I buy back what's been robbed from them in their lives. And I'm not talking about with my money or with my, my skills or with my words. I'm talking about my Spirit. Just being in your presence should make you feel like you're coming alive in His grace. I live in response to not in a requirement of. God requires me to say my, say my sorries or give away my money. Or, no, 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 no. No, God asks that you receive from Him what's already been given and then just respond accordingly. And again, when you respond to the gift of God, it's always in a place of rest. What if we built businesses that carried a spirit calling our employees and people and customers and clients and fill in the gap to respond to the grace that is at flow in our lives 
not in requirement for them to do certain things to make us go. I'm going to keep going with this. I think it's powerful. What if the way we raised our families was to speak such life and declare such truth and bring them so close to the story of Jesus that the natural outcome of children was to respond to the gift of grace, was to step up and stand up and step into the grace of God that's so freely given on their lives rather than for them to feel like they owe mom and dad, they owe dad and, and they just keep going and they just keep going. What if in our schools, teachers, we're going to pray for you just now. Every week we're praying for one of the pillars. Today it's you, so get ready for that. What if in our schools, teachers, the pressure of parents on us, you know, there's any teachers in the house, give me a little wave. I'm taking some pressure off today. The parents' expectations, that's guilt. You're not called to teach from a place of guilt. The parents can look after their children when they're out of your care. You've been entrusted. Can I just preach a little bit of confidence to some teachers in the house? They're now in your care. And if you lead them by grace, if you lead them by a redemptive spirit that's on your life, you will see them come alive in spaces and places that they never dreamed of in your life before. We lead with grace. Grace. 